What up, guys? We're about to roll into the cold intro, and uh, I know that you see the timestamp on this video. It's a long one, but I swear this is probably one of the best ones. So you, you should stick around, sit down, play, play some music or whatever in the background, and enjoy this amazing little, uh, little guide into the mind of a great artist. It's worth it. Like some people just painted paintings because they wanted to paint it and they mm -hmm. thought it was cool yeah. and they just were like, yeah, I want to use this color because I think this red is sick. And then you're in like an art theory class, like, you know, a yeah. hundred years after the guy painted it and they're like, well, he really used red because of, you know, family oh trauma gosh. from when he was six and yeah. you know, How do you they know? were wearing a red hat at the time. You're like, dude, what are, what are we talking about here? Yeah. You know? yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Especially in like literature too. They do that a lot. Just over oh, yeah. explaining everything. It's like maybe... Maybe he just wanted to make something cool. And and I feel like, I mean, with our short films and stuff, like our little sketches and things like that, it's like, we'll do something, we'll shoot it. And we had no idea what we were doing when we mm -hmm. made it. And then we'll get to the edit and like, oh, that's really cool how that wraps back around. It's like, we had no... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was not planned at all. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's like it takes stuff. on its own. Yeah. It is. Just like this podcast. Let's yeah. go ahead and play the intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, intro time. I think that's maybe the longest dope, cold opener dope, we've dope. had, but I think it's probably the best one too. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> send it. That's our motto. Just send it. Just, just send it. Yeah. Actually, I thought our motto was good enough. I don't good like enough. that motto. <laughs> <laughs> just passing. Yeah, oh, I think it's good enough. Average. average. Good yeah, enough. Just send it. Seat of our pants. <laughs> All right. What? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's it's your boy. <laughs> it's Cole Ankney. Cole Ankney. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's your boy Cole Ankney. It's me, I'm Tristan. Here, it's uh, Tristan. It's you. It's David. me, David. Hi, <laughs> David. The whole Triflix crew's here with Nick from Nick Ac Abstract. Ooh, what up, what Nick up, so you guys, you tuning in? You come check it out. You come back every week for the the great conversations and <laughs> and bad conversations. We hope so. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a bunch of bing bongs, bunch of crazy people out of Columbus, Indiana, hosting the the best podcast in the best town. That's that's what we do. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> so uh, what qualifies us to host a podcast? Well, we got a bunch of equipment because we run a media company, uh, and yep. uh, we're really good at that too. And and when we have some free time, we like to. <laughs> we like to chat like it to up talk. We like to talk a little too much. And then yeah. we, we bring in some people and then we take some time to listen. So today we have a special guest that we'll be listening to, uh, Mr. Abstract. What Mr. Abstract. <laughs> Mr. Abstract. <laughs> I wish that was my actual last name. But that would not. be tight. I don't know. I, I, Smith is my last name. Super yeah. unoriginal. I, <laughs> I, I do have a story for you real yeah, quick. Okay. Um, we were So I was putting together your outline and... <laughs> Um, we had talked about numbers and stuff and I was like, um, I, I almost guarantee you he is in my phone. I'm like, we've had this conversation before, but everything online said Nick abstract. And I could not remember your last name for the life of me. And so we were like sitting there. I was like, I go, it's something really generic. I need your help. And first thing out of his mouth, he goes, Smith. Smith? And I was like, no, wait, I think you're right. It was like the movie Ted. I just started rattling off a bunch of basic white generic names. Latin. Yeah, I was like uh, Smith, Jones, James, uh, Johnson, Black. Uh, uh, was it Brown. Baker, Brown, yeah. Black? It's like, yeah. and uh, yeah, first try. Yeah, on my dad's side of the family, where the name comes from, uh, I legitimately have like you know when you're on a type form. And it just says, like, you know, you're supposed to type your name, and it has, like, John Smith. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's my uncle. 
<laughs> Joe Smith, that's my uncle. Oh yeah. Jane Smith, that's my aunt. Yeah. Like they, they checked wow. all the boxes. My oh grandparents my were, you know, super original with uh, you well, know, naming per I mean, se, but that's okay, cuz it could have been worse. Were you serious? It could, yeah. About uh being Irish. Say what? Are you really Irish? Like, do you? Yeah, have, yeah. And your brother's name's Patrick. Yep, yep. My <laughs> brother's name's Patrick. Uh, I, I caught that, and I was like, I, I don't know. It's kind of mean, but it's kind of funny too. <laughs> I don't know. It just seems like his family leans into that type of stuff yeah. with the names. Yes, named after Catholic saints. That's yeah. You know, mm-hmm. What my parents named me for, um, Saint Nicholas, I guess. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. No, that makes sense. Saint Patrick. Uh, yeah. 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 That's cool. Whitechapel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we ended up there. I'm not sure. Yeah. It all ties together. Makes sense. Now. Mom still doesn't know they're not Christian man. <laughs> no, I told her the story a thousand times. <laughs> Don't you love that being able to tell the stories now? Yeah, and kind of just be like, "This is what really happened." Can't ground me love anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like, you know, where people end up from, like, you know, their initial interests, or you know, I guess. Just for my brother give me, giving me those MP3 players, it's like now mm. I'm you know, still going to shows to see weird niche bands that no one's ever even heard of or even cares about. Yeah. yeah. It's just who knows you know, where you're going to take an influence and, and what you're going to go from there. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of initial influence, so um, Nick is an artist. That's the He's best there. way to put it. Um, <laughs> but he, uh, what I'm curious about is kind of what was the road that kind of led you to where you are now um and what kind of art do you do now yeah it's pretty, no, I figured, it's pretty broad no i know yeah. i figured we'd get there but yeah. okay. uh kind of maybe some context because i only know so much of the history so was it was it always the thing that you set out to do or or is this something that just kind of evolved over time good question um i've always been interested in like being creative like ever since i was a little kid i was always sketching stuff or um, drawing things. I don't really know why. Um, my grandma on my mom's side, she was always doing like Christmas paintings and, you know, she took lessons with this lady named Donna. Um, and she's like this OG painter from Irvington, Indiana. Okay. Hmm. And, um, so my mom and her siblings all took lessons from Donna as well. And so art sort of was peripherally, you know, in the framework and in my mom's side of the family. Um, on my dad's side, they're more like engineering background esque. Um, okay. So they're like, I don't know if analytical is the word, but a lot of them are like, I don't know, not a whole lot of artists per se over there. There's a few pragmatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like yeah definitely. Yeah. We have an engineer right here. So. Yeah. yeah, and my dad, my dad was <laughs> a mechanic um, growing okay. up, and so he always has like this willingness to look at a, a problem and try to find like a you know solution to resolve that issue or a part or some sort of, you know, he's, he's a very engineering minded guy. And my mom, when I was a little kid was a cake baker for St. Elmo's restaurant. downtown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like I'd come home from school and she's got like, you know, cakes and she also did wedding cakes too. So she's got these massive cakes like stacked to the ceiling that she's, you know, hand pumping all the icing and mm-hmm. like the pattern work. And like she That's did cool. one that was sick that had like, it was like a, um, it wasn't resin, but it's kind of like that clear resin stuff that people put on paintings. Oh. But she made it look like like water that was like spilling over one of the cakes, and like it went down a, you know, the cake at the top had the waterfall, and it continued onto the other. I mean, it was crazy. She, That's she, cool. She yeah. went super into it, and so it was cool as a kid just seeing my mom create 
you know, wild cakes for different clients. And uh, so, yeah, that was interesting. And seeing my grandma, who was a, a painter, I just kind of always had it in me. And, you know, ever since I was a little kid, every time I had a homework assignment, I'm always sketching, doodling on like the blank negative space under the math problems. You know, oh, yeah. I never really did the math problems. I was like, yeah, this yeah. blank space is more fun. So yeah, we'll yeah, hang around here. That's cool. I did a lot of that too. <laughs> yeah. And so as a kid, I, uh, I ended up going with my grandma to have art lessons with Donna. So this lady, Donna, has just been Holy like moly. a fixture in the art family for like a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so also being colorblind, which I am, Donna helped me you know, put together color schemes for certain paintings or say, yeah, that purple doesn't really make sense there. Let's, you know, shift that a little bit towards the blue range. Hmm. And so I started to get like practices in color theory kind of at an early age. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, and, um, I know there, if you don't mind, I know there's different types of color blindness. Mm-hmm. So maybe explain kind of what it is you can see and maybe the things that you can't. Yeah, definitely. So the way I like to describe it is, um, I think there's people that are yellow, blue colorblind. I could be wrong, but that sounds wild to me. Like if mm. you look up at the sky, it's yeah. yellow instead of, I don't, I don't know. I think I've just done some cursory research into colorblindness. I'm not a hundred percent sure on what, what else is out there. Okay. But I think colorblindness as a term is sort of like people just think, oh, well he just sees black and white, but it's not, it's not really like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll be yeah. honest. It, that's what I imagine. Yeah. It's, <laughs> Sorry. it's more like, uh, <laughs> It's more color deficient, I would say. Okay. So imagine, let's say you're picking out colors for your, the interior of like a living room. Okay. You go to the paint store. The paint store has a bunch of paints that are like gray, but they have a tint of beige. So this is where you hear terms like grayish or like oh, yeah. gray blue, like things that are in that mm-hmm. range where like really most people be like, yeah, it's just like a, a cool gray or like a warm gray or something like that. But those have a base hue in that mm-hmm. it's beige or tan or has an orange or yellowish hue for people like me that are colorblind stuff that's gray that has barely another color is just straight up gray okay Okay. so basically you're taking the whole color spectrum and desaturating most of the colors Mm -hmm. so when you do that you're pushing the colors that most people you know like let's say i I painted my room a grayish and i i ask you hey what's the base color of that you'd say hmm yeah, it looks kind of maybe tan gray, but to me, there'd be no way I could trace back that it was tan. Like it's just, it's just base gray. Okay. So colors that are real nuanced just get pushed to gray. Um, but I can still see, you know, bright yellow, bright blue, like things that are on the, the far end of that color spectrum, I can still see pretty well. They're probably desaturated from what you guys see, mm-hmm. but I can still see them. Okay. Do you yes. know where that, like, I'm just curious. Do you know where that like comes from? Like, uh, what, 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 what can cause that in somebody? Um, or? I think people are just born with it. Okay. Um, it runs a lot in my mom's side of the family, actually. So my uh, grandpa, okay. um, that's the Irish side too. Yeah. <laughs> so my grandpa Ritzy was colorblind. Um, my uncle Brian is colorblind. My aunt Shirley's colorblind. I'm colorblind. I think my cousin Will's colorblind. So it's just like, and what's also weird is most of the colorblind people in the family are also artists. Mm. And the people okay. that aren't colorblind aren't artists necessarily. This wild. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, I've I've like looked into like optical evolution and like where that comes from. It's like the, obviously like to see red is like ripe fruit and green, and you like the uh, eye's ability to determine blue is like pretty low because there's not a whole lot of blue in the world other than like mm. the sky and water. Mm-hmm. Like there's not a lot of blue. So to me, it's really interesting to like 
you know, maybe it's just like a regional thing and like that area just, you know, like that group just doesn't, there wasn't as much of a need to see color as like the rest of the world. Maybe it's just kind of like a trade or something. I don't, I don't know anything about it, but it just, it's really fascinating to me that, you know, it's something that can help you see the world differently, but like you're still an artist. So clearly right, it's, right. it's not right. It might, it may like set you back in some ways, but if I feel like as an artist, like you see things from a whole new perspective that other people just can't. A hundred percent. I definitely was drawn to composition and kind of photography really early on, because those are things that rely on a different set of principles. You're not relying on the saturation of the color interplaying with other colors. It's more of like, if the composition looks good, it could be shot in black and white and it still looked dope. Mm -hmm. Yep. So very quickly early on when I like, you know, got my first DSLR camera and started shooting, I'm like, okay, I'm liking some of the leading lines, you know, that stuff that I really was drawn to when I first started shooting this, this was kind of before I ever even painted anything. I was just shooting pictures all the time. And I was Mm -hmm. like, man, architecture is pretty cool. And I like how, you know, if you're just standing next to a rectangular building, you just think of it in 3D space as, okay, it's just a rectangle. But if you walk up next to the building and look up, all of a sudden you're getting these crazy sharp angles and like, I don't know, the way that light is hitting um, a roof will cast a sharp shadow that otherwise wouldn't be there. So it's just like Mm. through the lens of photography, you're looking at like a very dynamic space with Mm -hmm. lines. And that definitely kind of informs my art practice, I would say. Okay. Yeah, I mean, knowing what your work looks like and hearing the influence it it lines up yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. yeah. so do you have like i mean if uh i'm sure there's probably some uh points where like maybe in your head it looks different is there a way that you like get feedback or anything or bounce ideas before you send things off or even choose color palettes yeah definitely um i this is kind of a funny story actually so basically what you're talking about is kind of like how, I, how I'm how i confident in doing anything with color <laughs> given that I have this deficiency okay. with it. And so um, a funny story, I've, I've probably beaten this story, you know, down to everyone I know. But if you guys haven't heard, I'll, I'll share it with you. I don't think so. I, I definitely <laughs> haven't. Word. So basically in, um, in art school, I was a graphic design major. So I wasn't really doing so much with like mixing colors and mixing paints. I was working on the computer mostly. And so in our color theory class, which is a semester long course strictly about color, which mm. being a colorblind guy, I walk into that classroom like, it's going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so the first day of class, we take a color survey. Our, our professor was just kind of wanting to know what students can perceive, you know, those subtleties, those grazes that I was talking about before, you know, what's our color perception range. Mm-hmm. And so it was like this online form that had a bunch of squares and all the squares were different colors and they were out of order. So like, let's say you have blue and yellow. It's a bunch of blue and yellow, but they're all scrambled. And so you just use the mouse to click Mm -hmm. the blue, drag it to the other side. And your goal is to make a smooth gradation from blue to yellow. I've played a game just like this. I had it on my phone for like a month and I was like, okay, I'm bored. (laughs) Yeah, this was, it was pretty quick, this this little assignment. And so after the blue and yellow, you go to red, green, which I struggled on. (laughs) And then you go to like purple, red, and, and it's just a wide range. And then black and white, I think is at the bottom. And when you're done, you hit submit. And the goal, it's kind of like golf. The more things you get wrong, 
the higher your score is. So you're aiming for like the lowest okay. score. Okay. Ooh. Okay. You know, so people are finishing the quiz and they're like, oh, I got a four, meaning like, oh, I only got like four of them wrong or whatever. Um, a couple people are like, oh, I got 30. And another kid's like, oh, I got a 26. 20. That's pretty. Dude, I'm still working over there when they're like, oh, I'm done. So, like, time passes by. Sweating. <laughs> Some other kid's like, oh, I got a 42. And everybody's like, oh, 42. Like, man, that sucks. Like, it's terrible. And then I hit submit, and I'm like, I got 132. Oh. My professor was like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, dude, no one scored that low on this. He's like, all right, In that's years. the class clown for the year. All right, let for me real. see it. Mr. Like, Mr. 132. <laughs> I know. Dude. You're like, no, I really couldn't. I'm trying my best. I did. Yeah, it looked like I didn't even like try, but I legitimately you tried. You probably could have had a higher score if you just threw it. If I had more time. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so my professor came over to me after that and was like, look, you're going to struggle with this class if we don't you know, figure something out. So... She gave me three textbooks to look up at the library strictly about the history of color theory, um, hmm. the way color affects people's perception. Um, I can't for the life of me remember the name of the books. But I went deep and I read them. Um, I spent a couple weeks doing some like color research and color history, hmm. just cursory stuff on the internet, learning about, oh, what's the history of the color blue? You know, why did... I think you alluded to that recently when you were like, yeah, people didn't really perceive blue that mm. well for a long chunk of history, right? Mm -hmm. You know, why is that? What What's the history of the color red? Why is red associated with um, like dominance and power? Well, red was, I, I could be wrong on this. I'm not regurgitating <laughs> information from like eight years ago. But essentially it was like, it was hard to mine the color red because you needed like a certain... I think that's why it's called cadmium. You needed a certain type of like clay rock that, that yeah. would be like mashed down into a fine powder then mixed with a liquid that would then become the pigment that people would use. So like some of the mm. ancient cave paintings were like, you know, cadmium smashed rocks that they would like, yeah. have you seen the handprint yeah, on, the, yeah. on the wall? Yep. Yeah. So it's like, I guess okay. red was really difficult to like manufacture in mm -hmm. bulk. And so paintings that were done with red were established with like status and, mm. um, and, and, and things like that. So, yeah, just learning that stuff was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Who would have thought, you know? Mm. Yeah. And don't they say, uh, I think red is still the hardest color to produce or something along those lines. I know that there's still one of those. I've heard a lot about it with, like, makeup. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of, like, the sources for, like, red makeup are really weird, like, from bugs and things because that's, like, the easiest Crazy. source to find the pigment red <laughs> it would sound super disgusting I know. And that's why people got so weirded out about it it's like i don't want to put bugs on my lips like, yeah, I might yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah they just don't tell you yeah <laughs> natural sources mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but the, like the i mean like the whole color behind it too is like because like that's food that's blood that's like things yeah. that like humans had to learn to smell. see <laughs> <I know. laughs> but then like also like like makeup like mm -hmm. the reason you put red on the face is like that's arousal and like that's what draws people that's what like humans are conditioned mm -hmm. to like the saying. color red is very important yeah. and then yeah. on top of that it's hard to produce so it's like it's already important <laughs> to us visually and like everybody i, I don't yeah. know if that's an uncommon one uh like mm. red, like if you if you saw a bright red, does that still stand out to you, or does that blend in with like a bright green? Good question. So it's kind of like so when you think of color, uh -huh. and this is what they taught very early on in, in color theory, and especially in some of the books I was reading. Really, color is a descriptor of three different elements. Mm. There's the hue, which hue is dictated by 
You know, most people, when they say color, think you're talking about hue. Mm-hmm. Hue is really just like that little slider in Illustrator on the side that's like red, yellow, orange, blue. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of slide that around. But those aren't really the bases of a color. A color really refers to its hue, its value, and its saturation. Mm-hmm. So, like, if we're looking at, um, like, his water bottle right here, I think this is blue, but this could also be purple, and I'd have really no way of determining that. Mm. But as you can see, it's kind of like very, it's kind of a dark blue mm-hmm. because white is contrasting off of it. I don't know if the camera can see this yep. water yeah, bottle. Yeah, there you go. But um, it, it's, it's relatively dark, but the blue isn't like a, like a royal blue. It's like a saturated blue. Mm-hmm. So the color, the saturation is like punched up super duper high. Yeah. And so when you're dealing with color and you're thinking of, you know, saturation, hue, and value, value differentiates how um, the amount of lightness that that color is within. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people sometimes get value confused with saturation because saturation is just the intensity of that color within it. So really, if you're talking about, let's say, coral as a color, okay, coral isn't orange. It's mm. also not pink, which is also not red. Coral is also not extremely saturated either. So now you're dealing with like trying to pin out where coral is and like yeah. this vertice mm. of, of these three different elements. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really what defines a color. So navy blue is really low in value, but it's really saturated in the amount of blue in it. Mm-hmm. And its hue is blue. Mm-hmm. You know? So it, once I started thinking of color kind of in this way, it allowed me to think of like, oh, well, you know, if I'm stacking this color over this color, there's not going to be enough contrast if I'm not watching the saturation here. Yeah. You know, if you put something real saturated over something that's really gray, there's going to be more pop. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. constantly dealing in those in graphic design, I mean, you could design something when I was in school in graphic design, like you can make something that typographically, the fonts and everything, the layout, all spot on looks great. But if your contrast and, you, and your values are wrong of mm-hmm. the colors and, and hues you're using, it's going to look terrible. Yeah. 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 So like just dealing and making a lot of mistakes in that too, you start to kind of have like default go-tos of colors that, oh, well this, you know, this color scheme is going to work or like, yep. you know, <laughs> I, I can go this way because I've done this method before and I know it's visually, you know, read smooth. The colors aren't, you know, you can also, have you heard of simultaneous contrast? No. No. So it's this weird thing where like just a color stacked on top of another color will affect your perception of that color. Like, have you ever seen, oh. like, if you're driving along, the, like, a street, sometimes it's, like, really cruddy gas stations will just have, like, a sign that says, like, you know, gas mart or something. But mm-hmm. it's, like, a, a really saturated blue background, and it's kind of a low-value color. And then they also have a really saturated orange that's right on top of it. And, like, when you look at it, it just like vibrates. Have you ever seen yeah, that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, our our door did that whenever we got the stickers put on here because <laughs> the doors in here are like a orange brown. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's it has a very orange tint to the to the wood brown, and then our um, logo has is a very saturated orange. So whenever you see that next to the very saturated blue and mm-hmm. the saturated red. I don't remember which color it is, but I swear it started vibrating. Yeah. And I, d- I didn't know there's like actually an explanation for that yeah. or some study around it. That's awesome. Yeah. Simultaneous contrast. It's real weird. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's strange too. So if you take that phenomena of you said it was 
it was orange, the door, and your logo was blue on top of it? Yeah, yeah. So if you flip that the other way, too, and had a blue door and an orange logo on top, it, the same principle would happen in reverse, ah, too. Okay. And so if you put those next to one another, so that pairing, like if, if you d- took a photo of the blue logo on the orange door or the mm-hmm. orange door with the blue logo and you put them next to one another, the logos are going to look different than the orange on the other side. Yeah. Like, I, I know it's kind of hard to explain, but it's like basically just because it's behind the opposite type of color, it actually makes the color look brighter than it really is. Yeah. Yeah. That so makes sense. The oranges wouldn't even look like they're the same orange. It's weird. Dang. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of optical illusions I've seen posted online. There's a, a YouTube channel. It's fairly popular now called Vsauce. Oh, I, I follow Vsauce. I follow <laughs> Vsauce on Twitter. It's fairly popular. Yeah. And he, I love his videos. His videos <laughs> are awesome. It. But uh, on Twitter, he posts those types of things all the time with like optical illusions. Like, hey, this is yellow, but between red and green, and it doesn't look like yellow anymore. And then you zoom it out, and it's so small, and mm-hmm. it becomes different. Yeah, it's crazy. This yeah. podcast is going to have to be like our <laughs> training video for color theory. Holy, yeah, holy dude. Well, I mean, that is, it is something like and when we have time is something we're supposed to do with like uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Co- composition like if you're shooting a film or whatever and you go to a frame of it and you have this uh, subject like a person or an animal or something and then you have this background and it looks really pretty and then you shift uh, remove all the saturation so it's just black and white and you're like oh this looks terrible you know that's that's it, it breaks down like at the bare fundamentals was your shot good mm, yeah. because without mm. all the color and without all of the extra things just from a composition from a framing perspective does it look good and that's where you try to get that contrast of let's make the background darker make the subject mm. brighter or vice versa or um, a, a good example I think everybody probably knows is like the I spy books you know everything yeah. is very uh, similar in uh, in contrast of how bright and dark it is, and mm-hmm. it's just scattered all mm-hmm. over, and it it forces your eyes just start searching for something to focus right. on, and right. you're like, I can't find what I'm supposed to be looking for, and in filmmaking at least, you want people like, oh, that's the thing, and unless you don't, right, and then you're like, you yeah. you want it to be very intentional, you mm-hmm. want them to search around and try to find something, and then yeah. you reveal it to them, and you, like, it's a fundamental tool that you should know how to use and when to mm-hmm. enable and disable it kind of thing. Definitely. I don't know if that, I don't know if you have much of a thought of that, like whenever you're designing, if you put like focal pieces in your art or I know abstracts probably maybe a little different too. Well, it's actually, it's funny when you're talking about when you're looking at your overall composition, it needing to look good in black and white. Um, I come from like a graffiti painting background. Mm-hmm. And so like through graffiti, when you're painting different color schemes and, you know, okay, let's put a key lime outline on this like navy blue fill-in. Like you're just playing around with all these different tones and sometimes you'll paint color schemes that just like do not work out. <laughs> and so like very early on, I kind of had a, a a buddy of mine that I was painting with at the time. You know, we, so, we sort of started thinking of graffiti schemes in, in this sense of like, let's just make sure that the value of these colors aren't like clashing. So mm. we're not having things like simultaneous contrast affecting you know, the way that the piece is going to look when it's all said and done. So we kind of came up with this idea of after you paint the piece, take a picture of it, put that in grayscale, mm-hmm. and, and just make sure that, you know, you can actually tell what's going on in the piece. So we kind That's of came awesome. up with the term, it should bang in black and white. 
<laughs> that's awesome. So if it bangs in black and white, then, then it'll, you're it'll snap in color for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Graffiti, yeah. graffiti. No, I see that used all the time. The the, the grayscale test, especially with like going to websites, uh, that's a oh, yeah. huge yeah. thing because like you need people to be able to figure out where things are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you showed it to me in video and makes sense in photo. I've seen artists like train just yeah. like I'm going to paint just something grayscale first. And then, like, if it's Illustrator, then you can just go in and just right. select and just yep, recolor it. Definitely. Yeah. And people who design websites, too. Like, they're mm-hmm. laying stuff out in, like, a gray framework, and then the you know, colors yep. are polished. We'll add later. Yeah. yeah. Or, like, uh, the user interface on, like, any software. It's, like, do you want to mm. save bright blue, bright green? Yes. And everything else is, like, very... <laughs> Cancel is just monochromatic, there. gray, faded out, and you're like, that's probably the thing I should do. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Whatever. You're like bright blue button. Ah! <laughs> Cancel. Yeah. ADD kicks in and I'm like, I see a color. <laughs> yeah, that's why when you see a website from like, you know, early two thousands, you're like, yo, mm. why does crap. this look early two thousands? It's because they're like, yo, make the freaking yeah. Make the button neon yellow. And it's like, dude, it doesn't need to be that color. It's, yeah. it's kind of unnecessary. Mm-hmm. People will still click on it. Right, right. You yeah. know, I'd have a trailing mouse. Yeah. Oh, um, man. Yeah. I wanted to ask if, if you can say, I don't know if you can or can't, what was maybe one of the crazier spots that you ended up doing a graffiti piece? A graffiti piece at a crazy spot. Yeah, because, um, I mean, it, it, that's kind of – I. I had a friend in college, um, did a video with him and stuff and like watched him and his buddy, like go do graffiti work and was always super interested in it. Like I don't have the talent for it. Um, but it was, it was always very interesting, but I know that like you have to find a spot usually and it's not exactly something that's like, I called the city and asked. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when you say a crazy spot, like what, what do you define crazy as? Well, you know, I mean, it's like sometimes you're, I don't know, you're driving. I think I want to say that there was one like on a bridge over 65 one time, you Mm. know, and I'm just like, how did they get there? How did you do that? When did you do that? (laughs) And like, how did you get away with it? You know? And like, sometimes you see the one that's like up on the billboard, you know, off the side of the highway. You're like, what? It's almost Every, magic. Everybody <laughs> paints alleys now. Like, I mean, train cars, lame. Like, what, what, what's your crazy story? <laughs> Man, I never got too crazy with it. Um, yeah. There was a, I have a friend that's like an urban explorer guy who <laughs> finds all these like cool buildings and abandoned places. His name is Mac. Shout out, Mac. Um, and he found a tunnel that goes all the way underneath Indianapolis. So it basically starts at kind of around where the Lucas Oil football stadium is. Okay. And it goes all the way under the city for like miles and miles. And then it, it spits what? out on the east side near uh, New York Street. Okay. And so he like found this tunnel down That's there. That's cool. That, um, there's actually a lot of really old classic graffiti from the 90s. That's on the west side entrance. Mm-hmm. But okay. the east side entrance, like people hadn't ever really painted there. And so that was kind of one of the first spots that... Uh, I was like, dang, this is like definitely something pretty cool and special here. Mm-hmm. That spot now is completely ragged. It's like mm. everyone and their stepmom has painted it. You know, it's yeah. it's it's kind of gone downhill a little bit. But it was definitely a cool experience being in this like weird underground tunnel that like I don't know. It it that's something that I appreciate about graffiti is like you get to watch the world kind of pass by from like an observer standpoint. Mm-hmm. You know, we're literally under New York Street. I've driven over New York Street thousands and thousands of times yeah. and like the thought never crossed my mind that there's some dudes with spray cans like under my feet or <laughs> like under my car you know yeah. trying to create something so that's tight. it's cool that like observer effect 
Um, I remember I was exploring this building one time with Mac, probably 2012. And uh, yeah, we're just on this rooftop of this abandoned building, just like watching some lady just like driving down the street. Like we weren't specifically watching her. We're just like observing, you know, the streets around and like some lady was probably taking her kid to like soccer practice or something. And it's like, dude, she has no idea there's just some guy <laughs> up on some building just watching, you know. Yeah. It was kind of cool to just see that, you know, we're all kind of in this little Sims interactive <laughs> game, yeah. you know, and I'm kind of watching a Sims player just kind of <laughs> yeah. roam down the road on autopilot. So it's cool to have that, like, break from autopilot. Yeah. That, that no, really tight. humbled me. Do you have always wanted to do that? Urban Explorer? Yes. Because mm -hmm. definitely, man. I am a still photographer and landscapes. I love just, I mean, from shooting houses and doing all the things that I've done, I enjoy landscape more than anything, you know, buildings and, and sunsets and, you know, all the, all the stuff that everybody likes. Um, but I've, I, there's a couple people, there's at least one person that I've followed on Instagram for a long time. And I know they're an Indian that might be the same person, um, that does some of that sort of stuff where they're, you know, they're up there and you get pictures of your feet dangling off buildings. Do you, you know, know their name? Um, I'd have to look at it to, and that, maybe we could do that afterwards. I, I'll have to look at it and see if I can remember who it is, but okay. there's a, I mean, I know all, all of our paths have crossed mm -hmm. somehow, so there's a possibility it's probably your, your buddy, but yeah, yeah would, I've got that'd a, be cool. two of my buddies that were really, really into like the rooftopping scene. So like there's the urban explorers that just go to like rough abandoned spaces. And then there's like the rooftoppers that mm. they would just you know, watch security and find ladders and like find any way to just get on top of crazy buildings. Yeah. And like, so my buddy Ian and my buddy Dawson actually were kind of like maybe the third or, or second wave of these kind of rooftop explorer guys. Okay. And they ended up, they got on top of the chase tower, which is now the Salesforce tower. Yeah. But like they have Holy a photo crap. of them like sitting on the chase logo. <laughs> like, and his caption was just like, what's up, Indy? Like, it's just a crazy amazing. caption, you know, and like uh, it ended wow. up kind of blowing up in their face. You know, I think there oh, was a, sure. a newspaper that was written about them and security, of course, like, you know, tightened up. As you would imagine, you can't just have people walking on your bank's <laughs> building. That's not <laughs> right. That's not cool. Yeah. So it was it was weird to like observe that phenomena. But some of the pictures that they get from that, like, yeah, they're they're doing something that's not sanctioned, not approved, not mm. really you know, not legal. really, yeah, <laughs> not really illegal. <laughs> Slightly dangerous. But some of the photos that came from it are just stunning. Oh, I like, bet. there's a reason that, like, their photographs on Instagram were just, like, like, my buddy Cheech was featured on, like, when Instagram had, like, a featured page, like, his posts would just get on the featured. And, like, he's just some random kid from Indiana who has, like, hundreds of thousands of people who are just seeing all these crazy cool photos he was posting because like it was it was a unique perspective to the city that people are used to you know and yeah that name sounds familiar cheech yeah, yeah that's ian okay i think me and Cade had a class with him and there's a that maybe there's, how you knew it there's probably yeah 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 i was busy having kids and i was like i want to climb on buildings <laughs> <laughs> i mean talking about the architecture of like cities and stuff and just like if you think about like abandoned mines right like somebody had the infrastructure they they tunnel out mines and then when they're done they put like a door up out front that says don't enter right so all this infrastructure and all this time and money goes into mm. it and the same thing happens as technology evolves and cities grow so you have all these underground old subways because we don't use them anymore we have old electrical routes and stuff and if you're lucky i've i watched some of these people on youtube where they'll find or come in contact with people that acquired the old original 1920s or earlier maps of oh, city infrastructure. 
that are no oh, longer wow. like there's tunnel systems that are no longer visible on maps. And you'll see this sometimes like with Google Maps where infrastructure changes, a road's no longer there or a new road's there, whatever. So they have these old maps of tunnel systems that you couldn't find otherwise. That's so dope. And they're like that tunnel there, the, that two mile tunnel may not show up on a map in 2020 plus moving forward. But at some point, somebody designed that tunnel, somebody dug it out. That was yeah. a multi hundred thousand million dollar mm -hmm. project for the city, I'm sure. So that's on somebody's map somewhere. And it's so cool whenever you can like go you to learn a about city. the city. Yeah. 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 Like this is how people live. This is how people got by. And it's just nobody knows. And it's just completely buried under eight plus feet of rubble and like complete like change. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, like cities like Rome and stuff, like places that got demolished or France yeah. and you have the catacombs. Mm -hmm. They have entire cities, uh, Mount Vesuvius. Is that Rome? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Mount, Mount Vesuvius. <laughs> you have a volcano go off and underneath the volcano rubble is an entire city. Yeah. And it's so cool whenever you can like find that history and just like experience mm -hmm. the city from a place that people used to. But that's what it's all about for me. Like it's a way mm -hmm. to inter interface with the city beyond just a surface level. Yeah. Um, you get to see things from a perspective that like you have to work for. You yeah. have to like, you know, scope it out. Uh, you have to have a friend who's been there who can show you, you know, <laughs> how to do it and whatnot. And, um, you know, there's a reason that there's documentaries on like um, Pripyat, which is where like the Chernobyl event happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's documentaries on like, oh, well, I guess Pripyat, which is the city that was near there. And sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, but <laughs> now like people go and explore there and like there's photographs taken in these yeah. old buildings that like people haven't been in for a long, long time. Yeah. And I just think it's a, it's very human to just see a place and just like wonder about it. You mm -hmm. know, like when you drive through and you, you go to the mall, go to the store, come back home, like you're just interacting with a few small touch points of your local area. Mm. So when you can interact with a city on a level that's like completely different, that puts you in a completely different headspace. And, you know, one that comes to mind for me on the west side of Indianapolis, there was the Central State Insane Asylum. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's off <laughs> like, if you just take Washington Street outside of Indy, Okay. Yeah. Um, and head west. It was at like Washington and Warman is the street that was there. And uh, yeah, it was just this massive complex. It was this, it was a, you know, mental asylum that was there for a long time. Um, it went abandoned in 94, I think. Mm. And so it's just this complex of like, there's probably 12 or 13 buildings that are just rotting away back behind a fence in like this whole area where all these people live, you know? Yeah. And like all, all a, a bunch of little kids that just like, you know, had a baseball bat and like, oh, they'd hit the ball and it'd go a little over the fence, you know, they'd go get the ball and then be like, oh, well, now that I'm over here, let me just walk around. So like, yeah. I don't know, it just became this wild little touch point that's outside the city that people don't really know exists there. Um, and when it closed down, I mean, people explored that place for years i mean there were like ghost hunt tours through the through the facility <laughs> and stuff and like it definitely gave a creepy vibe that's the only in terms of crazy places that was the one place i i drove by and just looking at it i was like yo mm. something <laughs> something inside me feels like don't go in there yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know some stuff went down yeah. yeah, like Who that's knows? the thing. You Who just knows? oh, they dug up bodies in there when they oh. they tore the buildings down. Like people were just like left there. Yeah, like if you wanted to kill somebody, I would suggest it. But like <laughs> they didn't find them until they tore the buildings down. Yeah, you holy know? moly! There reminds me of the movie Sucker Punch. I don't know if you ever seen that, mm. it's like it's a 
somebody goes to an insane asylum and it's all dramatized and it's not based in reality at all but like the 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 movie is like uh it, it shows kind of some of the craziness that happens in there between misconduct abuse and then um the people like trying to cope so then like their their mental state like will change and like the movie keeps going in and out of the reality of somebody's mind mm. and like it's That's it's pretty nuts and hmm. i don't know just hey those places are creepy <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think creepy. I think with the Indianapolis one, I, I could be wrong, but I think there was like some substantial medications that came out that actually helped relieve mm. some of the some of the mental patients that were there. Okay, mm. it was one in particular. I can't recall what the name was. I think it starts with an A, but I think from the creation of that medicine and a bunch of others, like all of a sudden, this massive facility, they're like, yeah, we don't really have that many people that need to be here anymore. Oh. So it just kind of fell into disarray, and now. There's like a couple of the buildings. There was like a central state mansion that's like right on the property that, you know, they tore a bunch of the more administrative and housing buildings down, but the mansion's still there. They converted it into like student housing for people who go to IUPUI, which is wild. Holy moly. By the way, (laughs) right next to the surgical ward. Would not want to be living there. (laughs) But like, it's it's really nice now. Like I have a buddy, uh, Project One, um, Adam and uh, Kyle. They do like really cool art installation stuff. And their headquarters is on Central State now in the, where the, the like cafe hall used to be. They like build cool art there now. And like, they're, they're killing it out there. There's a, art fabricator ignition arts that does crazy cool art installations and uh they have a huge like warehouse section out there and it's it's wild to go to a place let's say 2013 that was an absolute dump that was just the creepiest most vile looking place ever and now it's like yeah come to our studio and like dude i came here like (laughs) 10 years ago when it was crazy looking you know and now it's like there's even a wedding venue that i went to like I think I went to something the other day, like hmm. the other year that like they had a graphic design, like poster, movie poster reveal party that was in there. And like, it's cool. It's just wild to see hey. that a place can transform that much. And yeah. yeah, it comes with a little bit of gentrification too, but right. Hmm. It's neat to experience a space prior to some of that too. Yeah. Well, I mean, the idea of like gentrification too is like, it sounds really nefarious, but I, I don't, I'm not diagnosed with OCD or anything, but it's like, to me, like, Anytime I see older buildings, it's like there's so much potential here, and I mm. want to bring order to like this chaos and like turn something. Like you get like the artist side of like I want to I want to make something great, and there's so much potential here of like all the old school buildings or old factories that turn into like these like that's the new style now. But yeah. Yeah. it's the new style because that's all artists could afford. 30 years ago and out in LA or Chicago or whatever. Mm. And then those turn into the new art districts and then the rich people come in cause they want to be in the art area. And then the it's artists can't cycle. afford it anymore. So the artists move to the Newport area, yeah. the, the new lower areas, and then they renovate those spots. And it's like that order to chaos, uh, order from chaos is like just one of the coolest part to me about what architecture is, about what artistry is. It's like you have a blank mm. canvas there's there's so much potential and it's like i'm going to bring order to it and make something great on it definitely man it's really funny that you bring that up actually because my my art studio that i have downtown indy it's so i'll I'll give you a very quick backstory i hit up this apartment complex that was building this new development um and they're building it next to this relatively older building and there was a wall that separated the two spaces 
um, there's this big white wall. So I hit up the apartment place saying, hey, you know, if you're interested in a mural or something like that for the space as you're having new people move in, you know, I'd love to make something happen. Hmm. And so the apartment place talked with the lady who owned the other building and they kind of said, yeah, we'll pay one half. She'll pay the other half and then we'll we'll have you paint a mural on this building. So painted the mural. That was last year. Um, and just out of curiosity, I asked the lady who owned the building, hey, what is on the other side of this wall? Because I just, you know, when you paint a mural, <laughs> you get to know the wall. Like, you guys are no. friends by the end yeah. of it. You know, I know every crack and crevice. I've smashed paint into every hole on the wall. So yep. <laughs> I just got to know what's on the other end of this thing. And she's like, well, you know, it used to be a restaurant and then it was a check cashing place and then a salon. But, you know, I haven't had a tenant in here in like eight years. So it's just, wow. it's really just in bad shape, but I can still show you in there. I was like, okay, word. And at the time I was painting my canvases in my living room of my one bedroom apartment. Mm. And like, <laughs> like I said, I come from a graffiti background. It's so like, I can't use spray paint in my apartment. Like, yeah. yeah. I start, and all of a sudden, my friggin' neighbors are like, yo, we can't breathe. What are you doing, man? And so I was looking for a space, and so she walks me into the building, and she's like, yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of a mess, and it was a mess. I mean, there's there's no electricity. There's no heating. There's wow. no AC. I mean, it's literally like, here's an abandoned building. Yeah. Pretty much. That's Shell. awesome. And so... <laughs> coming from the graffiti background and having like you were talking about this appreciation for a space like that mm -hmm. where others would be like, eh, you know, it's too grimy. It's too cruddy. I mm -hmm. was like, Hey, I'm looking for a studio space. I really just need a wall to put my canvases on and then a place to store some paints. Like, is that something you'd be open to? She was like, hundred <laughs> percent. So <laughs> as of the last year, I have this studio space that, I mean, it looks like a bomb went off in there, <laughs> but it's, it's perfect for me. And it, it you know, yeah, it'd be cool to have heat in the winter. You know, there's a gaping hole in the ceiling that snow falls through. And so <laughs> in the winter, there's like a pile of snow in the studio that doesn't melt because it's that cold in there. <laughs> so most of those canvases we were, we were talking about before the show started, like I painted those in like 20 degrees. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask if that was the space that was the background. Yeah, video. Okay. The space yeah. looked awesome. I was going to say, we were like, oh man, that looks great. <laughs> yeah, it's real photographic. It's it's crazy. There's like... Natural sunlight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I said, no lights, no electricity. So I have these big windows that have like pieces of paper over them. So the, the lighting that does come through mm -hmm. is actually really soft, which yeah. I like. It doesn't yeah. cast any hard shadows on the work as I'm painting it. Mm-hmm. Dude, that'd be so tight to have somebody stand under the hole and as the snow and the sun came through and take pictures. Like, yeah, that, that would be cool. Be cool. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Like, in like, a building with I, snow. Like, as I'm sitting there painting, I look over and I'm like, snow has really fallen in this thing, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Getting in touch with nature. Yeah. I, I, I dream of having a nice, pristine, you know, white studio with AC and electricity and I can, <laughs> I can bump my boom box and have fun in there. But yep. for the time being, it, it's been a humbling and character building experience being in there. Yeah. You got to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, we've talked about this and it's so hard, you know, you watch all the accomplished, I think that's the best way to put it, the accomplished people online. We see it all, right? So, and it's always like, oh man, if only, you know, and I like, I can't wait to get to that point. And so sometimes it's difficult to appreciate kind of where you're at, but mm -hmm. you have to, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere and do your stuff. And it's just cool that it came together the way that it did and you got a, got a good story out of it and <laughs> it came with its own sunroof. Yeah, it's serendipitous the way that kind of works. Yeah. But it, it is really hard to appreciate like where you're 
currently at. Oh yeah. Even oh, you guys yeah. with your business, like. Oh, it's incredible. I'm sure. Hard. Let's say 25 years from now, when you guys are just balling, you got a bunch <laughs> of employees and you're just cranking out work. You're gonna look back, man. Remember when it was like just us? Yeah. yeah. And like for sure. No, that's, but right now that's it's probably the hardest thing. time too that you're working too. You're probably working harder than you've ever worked in your life doing this. But a little bit. You'll look at it and be yeah. like, I really appreciate that we did that. Well, know? that's that's the thing is you're talking about the artists that are like I don't know they made it or whatever. Like they have studios and you're talking about like losing that charm. And I was listening to a podcast oh, yeah. to some artists and they're like, we're up to like when it started out it was like four of us in a studio. And they work out in L.A. and it's 95 degrees outside, so it's 120 in the building. Mm -hmm. And it's like we didn't have A.C. until two years ago. And it's like they had been working there mm -hmm. for eight years. And they're worried now that they're up to like 25 employees. Does it change the people coming in? Do they f do they still experience the company the same way we do? Because they, they don't have that experience. So like they don't have that uh, maybe appreciation or they didn't go through that grid of it. So like, you know, uh, was the, there's like the whole expression of like good times make weak men or something right, like right. that. And weak men make bad times, bad times make great men or something. And the, the, the cycle continues. And it's like, do you lose mm. the charm of the company and like that, that camaraderie if like we're, you know, pulling some crazy money and we got a ton of employees and we got a huge space it's like everybody that comes in are they going to have the same experience in the company because they didn't have the same past yeah and it's like i don't know we, 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 i would say definitely there. no but <laughs> there's no way yeah. there's a way you could probably yeah. curate their experience and like if you yeah. if you share part of the story maybe they'll take and carry forward like some of that yeah. experience you know like it, one thing i was thinking as you were talking about that was I went to Miami 2019 for Art Basel, mm -hmm. and um, as we're just like walking around the city, you guys know Obey Shepherd Ferry. No, that's a new name. He no. like yeah yeah I know what about. He did like the um, he has the clothing line that's just called Obey. Yeah. Oh yeah yeah and yeah. Then he has the hats that have like um, his color range is usually like red, black, and white kind of a thing. Okay. I'm sure you've yeah, seen it. Yeah. Oh yeah, I had a couple. <laughs> super duper well-known artist um and he started in kind of street art and graffiti and stuff too um but he progressed his art practice to the level where like like you said he's got like a staff of people um you know when he paints canvases he probably does some of the design work and then like gives it to other people and then other people paint it so like when we were in miami he had he had probably six or seven paintings in this gallery we went to and like the paintings are, I would say like maybe five feet tall by three feet wide. Like they're decent sized paintings, <laughs> but um, the price point on them were like forty six grand. Oh my god! For just like a, a, a painting on a canvas, which is like, I mean, dude, I get it. He's hustled. He's he's worked his tail off. He's done the early years like we were just talking about. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, dude, he probably didn't even paint that. He has gallery shows happening all around the world. Um, mm. And as we're literally leaving that gallery, we're like a couple streets away. There's a mural being painted in his style that has his name on it and some other guy's painting the mural. Uh. And so like he literally has, he's at such a level where he's subcontracting people to paint his artwork elsewhere. That's and weird. I don't know how, how much his hands are involved in that process, but right. yeah. I think it's easy to look at that and be like, oh man, screw that. Like he's not, you know, the guy out there doing it. But at the same mm. time, it's like, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's still enough of his initial passion and his drive that 
when someone does experience a new piece painted by someone who may not be him, maybe some of his early experiences transferred into your perception of it. Yeah. I, I don't know. We, yeah. ju we just talked about that as like bringing in an editor. It's like the videos aren't the same as what we used to make, but hmm. he's given, uh, he's helped freed up the time and like he's developing his own skill and it's like we can help mold the the shape that he develops that skill in, but like I still get to touch the project. I still get to put the finaling. Mm. I get to focus yeah. on, uh, instead of like, you know, you have a, a finite amount of energy instead of spending, you know, a hundred percent of my energy on a hundred percent of the project, I can spend a hundred percent of my energy on the last 20% that really matter. And like what he does still matters, but like that time is delegated so that I can work and, and have that hundred percent given to a bunch of individual projects. And mm -hmm. it's like, it is different, but like, I mean, I'm still very grateful and like appreciative of that opportunity. And it's something we've been working towards, but you know, I, I'm sure maybe the uh, obey, maybe maybe he still gets that finalized touch. Maybe mm. he still gets. Maybe I'm he's sure he's got to approve those proofs. Oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, especially yeah. if you put your true. name on something, right? I right. Mean, yeah, that's a discussion we've had many a time. Uh, yeah. It reminds me of like apprenticeships, like the old style of like a, a master of a craft yeah. taking on someone younger and training them up to like be another master and work mm -hmm. alongside them. Yeah. Um, and I think that's like important too because like it's just a new person they might have new ideas like yeah. i don't think art just should be stagnant you know oh right. like sure. bringing in new people and like letting them do their own thing i think is important so i don't know maybe that that's kind of the wholesome idea that i kind of went to is like hey maybe he's working with these people and like trying to bring them into this type of style and he's allowing them yeah, to that's work awesome. side by side yeah. but that, i don't know that's no, actually that's exactly it's so funny you brought that up. When I talked to that artist who was painting the Obey mural in Miami, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. He said, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm an artist too on the side. I do my own thing, but I took this apprenticeship. He literally oh, said that. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and, and he was like, yeah, I, you know, I'm, it's really hard to paint these murals, but I've learned mm -hmm. an insane amount from a master. And, you know, hopefully one day I can transfer that in, into some of the stuff that I do on my own. Yeah. Like, so yeah, it was yeah. it was really cool to hear that, and I actually respected him doing that way more hearing that. Yeah. Right, just like you and Donna. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. masters taught the whole family. Exactly. I was like, who's Donna for a second? <laughs> <I remember. laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. Like I stopped taking art classes with her, like you know, probably middle school or something. But <laughs> once I got back more into art, it was like my senior year of high school. Um, I I took classes with Donna again. It was my That's grandma awesome. and I. And, and even when I was in college, I'd go to Donna and like, I wasn't painting, you know, portraits or landscape paintings at the time. Mm. I was doing my abstract stuff and like Donna still was like down with it. Yeah. Which oh, I yeah. thought was so cool. That's like awesome. growing up, she was like, okay, well, we're going to put red on this flower and, you know, paint the sky with the clouds to look like this. And now I'm like, okay, so I'm doing these like hardline architectural abstraction pieces. And she's like, oh, Okay. And like, she was like, well, I think if you go a little bit more gray with this hue, it's actually going to con like, she was still speaking the, that's awesome. the artistic language, even though it's in a realm, that's not even yeah. what she does, Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. Cause especially cause you're, you're impacting the way she views art differently now. And she's right. helping you still formulate yours at that, at that point in your career. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like you were saying where you bring in somebody new and you start bouncing ideas back and forth. Yeah. And, they offer perspectives that you would have never given or never had. And that's, that's awesome. 
Yeah. I find creators online that I follow. Um, Adam Savage uh, from yeah. Mythbusters. Yeah, Mythbusters. I, I watch his uh, Tested channel, and yes. he has uh, a small studio still. I mean, I wouldn't call it small. But I was like, like it's small because it's packed to the brim with stuff, and so it seems small. But he does so much stuff in it. But he has other people that he works with, and I, I think it's only like a select few. Yep. Um, but I think that's really inspirational for me because like he's a profession of his craft and he's so passionate and he's like leading these younger people up to like do what he does. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just like super cool. And there's a collaborative atmosphere. He's like talked about how he's working on like the Matrix sets and like working with Jamie and how a huge part of Mythbusters was like working together and bouncing ideas off of each other. I love that about that show. Yeah. 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 That's it, what it brings to, to mind. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it brings to mind this this artist from Spain, <clears throat> Felipe Pantonier is his name. Okay. But his last name is spelled like Pantone, like the Pantone yeah. swatches. Yeah. And like he came from graffiti um, and painted some really cool graffiti, but eventually kind of evolved his, his graffiti stylings to be like large scale paintings, large scale murals. And now he does like massive like he just he he kills it he kills it he's mm-hmm. like one of the artists i aspire to even remotely be close to mm-hmm. in terms of like the things i can accomplish and, yeah. and do and like he has a basically a warehouse where he's got a team of i don't i don't know how many people he has but they have like massive cnc cutters Ooh. like all kinds of laser cutters they have a whole spray booth thing set up to where like, I don't know, just any picture they post from their studio, it's like, he has like a studio manager and like, he's just, he's doing so much stuff on a scale where it's like, dang, dude. And the That's thing cool. that I really like about what he's doing too is like, it's all grounded in abstraction. He's, yeah. he's not like, like I could see the appeal of like a Shepherd Fairy Obey piece. It's like, okay, you know, it's a political figure or it's, you know. A person, I, I don't know, art that's like representative or representational. Yeah. It, it delivers faster to like not a very nuanced audience. You know, they can see, okay, well, they painted a person. It looks like a person. The colors are nice. Thus, mm-hmm. it is a good piece of art. You know, Felipe Pantone is doing stuff that's like, it, it's not even a person. It's not even really anything. It's just yeah. like crazy zigzag lines and like these wild patterns and he takes like um like old windows like graphics where like you know the x has like a beveled edge to it when you try to exit out of like a window mm-hmm. and he'll paint like beveled edges oh, on whoa. like yeah like just look up his stuff yeah, I was gonna say, to look him up. yeah it's like it's uh, all dope it's like he takes like nostalgic internet like early internet mm-hmm. influences and like crams that into some like futuristic cyberpunk like yeah. Yeah. realm. It's like you got the Marvel movies and it's like, yeah, everyone gets it. They're awesome technically and they look pretty and people love it. And then you have like the indie, something wild no one's ever seen before. This dude's like off on his own journey making something crazy and kind of, oh, dude, we're pulling up some of the art here. Yeah, so I pulled screen. some up because yeah, I was like, it. dude. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. And just seeing that that's possible, like you can, I don't know, as an artist, and I'm, I'm sure you guys as creators as well, like it's kind of weird being a creative in the current time. And I'm sure all artists mm. throughout all time have probably felt similar, but like, dude, Michelangelo has already existed. Like he mastered painting the human form a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. And then you have like the Renaissance paintings and then like even some of the best abstract painters like Jackson Pollock, Mark mm-hmm. Rothko, like all mm. these major huge figures have pushed art to such a level where now you're just like, well, 
where do I you guess go? I'm an artist and <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But I think they didn't really know what they were doing either and probably mm-hmm. felt similar. So like I you yeah. know, yeah. what's gonna hit, what's gonna take off, who really knows? But I think the thing that's the common thread with all that is yeah. like they just stuck with what they liked and yep. kept doing it. Well, that's a fun thing with art movements, especially in the past, because there's always that backlash to like that current status quo. What yep. is it like impressionism, uh, mm. the impressionist movement? Uh, I think Claude Monet was like one of the big people that I like studied because I just really liked his art. Um, but it was kind of like a I don't want to do like a super hyper realistic thing. Like I want to give like the general idea of it and put mm-hmm. my own. Like maybe he just couldn't see very well, and that's just what it looked like. But later <laughs> on in life, yeah, he yeah. actually like started to get cataracts, and like oh, some of his like largest paintings he ever did, his eyesight was like yeah. really, really cruddy. Yeah. But like, I really liked his paintings. Uh, like the, the, I I don't have an example of it pulled up, but like that the was water kind lily of, ones. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. dope. I uh, I had a elementary school art teacher that was a huge Claude Monet fan, mm. and. Um, Mr. Gaw was his name. He's, he's, he's the best. And like, <laughs> shout out. It was so shout cool. <laughs> Speaking of like, you know, why I'm an artist today or how I got to what I'm doing, people like him and, and Donna are like the key figures. Like, these people, mm. if they didn't exist, like, I would not be doing what I'm doing. Mr. Gaw, like, he knew I was colorblind. And so I would do like a landscape drawing or a painting with like pastel and like I'd color the sky like purple and the grass like brown and red. Like, the colors are totally not right. And I'd bring it to Mr. Gaw and he'd be like, I love it. Like he he did, oh, he awesome. wasn't the guy that'd be like, yeah, I mean, it's done pretty well. But the colors, like he would just be like, if that's the world that you perceive, mm. I think it's so cool. And you oh, need to share cool. that with more people. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. like people like that. It's like, dude. Dude, that's so that cool. Because like, uh, uh, was it uh, on the Kanye album that just came out? He talks about like his second or third grade teacher who like realized he wasn't doing well in school. And she's like, you really like music, don't you? He's like, yeah. And so the teacher was just like letting him make music and stuff. That's dope. Yeah. And he's like, he's, you know, one of the more successful artists to be alive right now. And he still thinks back to this grade school teacher that said, mm. I believe in you. Have fun. It's like, that's mm. what carries people along. Oh, I mean, yeah, I think yeah. everybody at some point, yeah. you know, has somebody, I would hope at some point in their life that like, encourages them a little bit and like if you get that and you just run with it you can do so much a hundred percent and i think this is kind of a more nuanced discussion of like social media and stuff but Mm. in terms of like people having fomo or fear of missing out or like it's just instagram is such a rosy well it it can be it depends on like what type of stuff you look at if you Uh look at doom and gloom all day yeah. You're going to get a lot of it. Yeah. <laughs> but if, if you're. It gives you what you want. Yeah. Like I use Instagram as like an inspiration outlet to just kind of see cool stuff that people are doing, follow mm-hmm. stuff like Felipe Pantonier and see like what crazy paintings his him and his team are cooking up. Yeah. But like, like I recently did kind of a an Instagram story highlight of the year, just posting, you know, different happenings or different things that I experienced this year. I tried to make a good note towards the end of like, the worst parts of the year don't get a highlight reel, dude. Like, no. The, the, no. The days I had where I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm an idiot. I'm not producing anything worthwhile. No one's buying anything. No one's hitting me up to do anything. Like none of those get highlight reels. So like, mm-hmm. I just think it's important if if people, I mean, I don't have much of a social media reach whatsoever, but like. Wait, what? I don't know. Why are you here? What are the views? <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's yeah. it's it's important to like speak to 
it's not all rosy and like yeah. super easy all the time. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, for sure. Mm-hmm. And Instagram makes it look like it is. Oh, like yeah. when you look at people's Instagram page, you're like, well, dude, they're balling and I'm failing. You it's, know, it's kind of true though. It, I was looking at your stuff and I was like, oh, this stuff is so tight. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, man, he must be making art every day. No, dude, dude. definitely not. <laughs> he yeah. makes so much money. Look at how much he charges for this piece. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I make so much yeah. money off paintings I haven't sold. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the life of an artist, man. You like, you, it was the flight of the navigator. There's a Captain Dissolution. Yeah. He makes yeah. all these like viral video reviews and he breaks down the, the science behind or the VFX behind depending on if it was real or fake. And he puts, you know, a lot of effort in and people like it. And they say, we love you. You're such a great artist and you should do your own thing. So he does this like one hour review of a movie that meant a lot to him as a child that inspired him to do VFX. And he puts months of work into no this. No one gave a damn about it. It, it gave, I got one tenth of <laughs> yeah. the views he would normally get on a video. Oh no, that makes me sad. I didn't even look at the views. I liked that video. I loved it too. <laughs> but like, it just goes to show it's like, and we're still struggling with this too. Is oh, like, yeah. as an artist, it's like the finding the balance. What do people? What do you enjoy making? What do people want to see? And it's like, how much am I willing to compromise to meet in the middle? Mm. And how often am I going to take time just to say, screw it, I'm going to do what I want regardless of what anyone else says? That's a life question. <laughs> yeah, no, for, for sure. Real. Yeah. <laughs> and I struggle on a whole different level because I'm an analytical numbers guy, and you know, run most of the marketing here. So mm. it's like. Well, what gets us clicks? You know, I mean, because TikTok clicks. Hey, it does. Uh, you got us the most views on it too. Yeah, it's just some off the cuff thing. That, that's the other thing. It's weird you how just stuff that you don't care about pops yeah. off. Made me mad. Yeah, not gonna lie. It does. It's weird. It's well, anger. Freaking five second video get four thousand views. Trumps everything we ever put out, and I'm like this. Yeah, just hard weird. top me. I'm sorry. Yeah, it kind of seems like you just have to pray to like the algorithm gods to yeah. like grant yeah. you exposure, which I don't or don't care. I don't like, like, no, I get yeah. it. Or you just can't. I don't know. I'd rather post something to like a dark corner of the internet that no one's ever gonna see. <laughs> yeah. But I want that. That was kind of my approach to graffiti. Is like, I want to paint something that's not super far out in the open. It's not just gonna get seen by everybody. But I want it. I want someone who has to work to get there mm. to see that mm. and be like, dang, he went out here. And painted this out here, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the monoliths. Like, Do you remember that the like the chromatic monoliths? But like people just put in the middle of nowhere, and then like some Utah? guy everywhere they put them all over the world. Yeah, yeah there's like three dope. or four. That was tight. So there's just like these monoliths that just exist, and you're on a hike in the middle of nowhere, and you find this thing. You're like aliens. Yeah, right. <laughs> who else? Who who in their who right mind that? would come out in yeah. the middle of nowhere with a 900 plus pound? I think they're like 15 foot monoliths. Those are big. Dig a hole, put it eight feet under, and still have it sticking up. And it's like nobody would do that in their right mind. And it's like some artist. Oh yeah, yeah. sick. Yeah. Some artist had a vision, and you found it in the dark corner of the world. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> and it makes the people who do find it feel special. They're like, yo, what? I just discovered this crazy yeah. thing. That, <sighs> yeah. I mean, that there's nothing more thrilling than like a discovery and finding something yep. new and be like, well, like, dude, even finding a new band or a new yes. song, you're mm-hmm. like, dude, what? What? So I've been waiting for this specific sound. I couldn't articulate what I've been looking for, but it's kind of like this band, kind of like this band, but also has a little of this influence. Because mm-hmm. I like those three bands, but like you never would have assumed, oh, well, I guess a band may exist one day that is those things. Yeah. And then you find them and you're yeah. like, well, this is what I've been needing all <laughs> the time. And you find out they haven't made music in eight years and you're like, well, I want more. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. I want more. <laughs> yeah. Some yeah. of my favorite bands, Band like, five. they're not big at all. They're just like some... 
like some dude with a freaking eight string guitar in like Moldovia, just like mm. writing filth. Yes. Puts an album out and you're like, this doesn't even sound real. Dude, you find a Spotify song with 10K plays and you're like, this is, this is this what bangs. I want. Yeah. This is what I needed. <laughs> 100%. So I've got to ask the question just because I know we were just discussing it. So like, how do you, how do you find that balance though? Cause I know it's, it's really just you who's kind of running your business. So how do you find that balance between being an artist and still trying to run a business and make a living, mm. you know? Um, because I know you were talking about like, oh, I want to put something out there that's found in the dark corner, you know? But there is that balance, it right? It needs to appeal to pay the bills. Correct. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> yeah. and, right. And so that's, that's, how do you, you know, how do you approach that? And like, yeah, it's like, how do you sell your work but not sell your soul kind yeah. of thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, I worked in advertising out of out of school out of school okay. um, for like three or four years, and it just kind of like it bummed me out. <laughs> it does. <laughs> like, I, get- I mean, it was it was cool. I, I learned a lot, and like some of the people I worked with were super duper driven and mm. like really cared about what they were doing, which was cool to see in, in a field like that. But I just wasn't getting the creative like satisfaction. I, I just felt like I was like just regurgitating stuff that yeah. like was on dribble you know what dribble is it's I like do a not. graphic designer you know yeah. people who do graphic design work just put, it's like a yeah <laughs> and like basically people one. just copy stuff from dribble all the time DNA i got you right right <laughs> and like so when i was doing that my soul was just kind of getting crushed i yeah. wasn't feeling like i was producing anything that was worthwhile you know cuz mm-hmm. i'm i'm thinking about things like we spoke about before okay we're artists in the modern era am i is this all I'm here for is to just make Instagram ads for like Corporate. companies I don't care about? Yeah. No, that's not why I'm here. Right, right, right. I have other things to say and, you know, I just have to find a way to get my message to certain people. And so a lot of that, a lot of my business today is like outreach and just trying to like reach clients that could fund a piece of artwork. And it was really hard initially because like, my city doesn't have a very, uh, how do I say it nicely? <laughs> it's okay. I've heard this a million times. There's, there's a preference towards very safe art, you know, that mm-hmm. is representative of a certain, uh, it's hard to say this nicely. Vision. Basically, <laughs> where the funds are coming from for certain art projects in the city are geared towards pushing a certain narrative of... Um, I'm really struggling with how to say this. Long story short, a lot of murals that are easily funded and more easily recognizable for a community to embrace very quickly are, hmm. I, I, they're kind of like a happy meal type of an art project where it's, it's a picture of a person. Yeah. There's some flowers. There's bright colors. Some of the colors don't really mesh together very well, but it's <laughs> yellow and purple and pink and mm, that's a hot. You take. know, it's 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 stuff that like is going to easily be like, oh, that is good art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and some of the stakeholders at, at 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 hand to approve and move some of those projects along are kind of like, you know, they're they're looking for art that satisfies their their vision and their goal, which is cool. Yeah. I respect that. Right. But those aren't really the jobs that I'm kind of after. And I've, I, dude, I've spent forever applying for open calls and, you know, hey, we're needing a mural, yada, 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 send your designs, yada, yada. And like, I never get any of them because it's not really the right audience for what I'm trying to do. 
Um, so a lot of what I'm doing is actually just trying to, I, I don't want my art to like steal the show, you know, like some mm. murals are, you drive by and you're like, wow, that's a, you know, a huge, amazing lion or something. And it's so cool that they painted that lion. And Oh, it's shocking. I want my murals to just mesh with the city in a way that you don't even really know it's there almost. Yeah. Like you drive by and it's just a part of the fabric of the city. Yeah. And that's kind of a nod to my graphic design past because the best graphic design, you don't notice. It's just exactly how it yeah. should be. The yeah. best, you know, UI experience for an iPhone stuff just mm -hmm. happens the way you think it should happen. You slide your hand to the left, the icon yeah. pops up just how you're expecting. You click it, you move on. You don't have to think about it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I, I do want my art to be thought about, yeah. but I also want that sense of discovery, mm -hmm. you know, where you're in the fabric of the city and you, you see something and you're like, whoa, that's been there? Like who, why, why is this here? How long have I parked next to this mural and not even really noticed that it's here? Yeah, it gives me like a, a stop and smell the flowers type mm -hmm. of like, you know, if you take the time to be like intentional, like, yes. holy crap, whoa. Oh, it's 100%. Like, it's like the one here mm -hmm. in Columbus on 6th Street. Yeah. Well, I, I was actually <laughs> going to ask. I was like walking by and I was like, you know, has this always been here? And then I looked down and I saw your name on it. And I was like, shoot, I know that dude. <laughs> right? yeah. And then Small I was like, world. how did I not notice this was his piece anyways? Because I've followed you for a long time and it's I've always really liked your aesthetic and it's it's mm. it's very specific to you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, dang it. <laughs> I missed you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it did the job, right? That's <laughs> I, I mean I it was getting painted outside my window because like yeah. I live right over that street oh, nice. and I just see, you know, a bunch of people out there helping. Uh, they painted the whole building white. So you have this huge blank canvas and then they start painting the street. And then I saw lifts going up and I you were up there for a while. Um, and you're talking about how these projects, you know, is this, am I selling my soul or am I selling art type of thing? Uh, and you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, but do you, where did, on that scale, where do you feel like this huge, you know, probably what 60 foot by a hundred foot mural, where does that fall for you? Like, does that, is that something that you feel like really conveyed your artistry or is that, um, something a little further away? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah. I have worked intentionally very, very hard to ensure that the creative shackles are not thrusted upon me mm -hmm. when I take on projects. Yep. Um, so if, if I'm taking on a, a task and they're like, well, you know, it needs to be these colors. And I'm like, well, these colors are going to look like doo-doo. They're not going to look good. <laughs> so, you don't you know what you're talking about. We also need to incorporate, you need, we need a whole jungle scene with, you know, 30 mm. animals. I'm going to be like, well, do you have a bazillion dollars? Cause it's going to take eternity <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so it's, it's always like a fine balance of like, yeah, how far you're willing to push it. But. I think it's super duper. I mean, it just melts my heart when there's a client that's like, we've seen the stuff that you do. We love what you do. Mm. And we just want like more of that. Is that like, we understand that. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah it, that's a great feeling. It, it hasn't come easy to have that happen. And it's only happened like a handful of times, but yeah, my early murals were not, they weren't the stuff I'm doing now. I mean, I painted a lot of stuff I did not want to paint mm -hmm. and I had to like, learn how to deal with that, learn how to paint things. And like, there's a good learning curve with that too. Like you learn a lot of practical things that you can implement once you do do your own stuff. But, uh, 
I don't know anymore. I've just, I've tried to really be intentional about what type of stuff I can actually take on. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of helped, I would say. That's awesome. But I mean, anybody who was close to me when I was working at my ad agency job, they knew like when I would have off time from that job, I would be doing design mock-ups and mural mock-ups of like stuff that I actually did want to do. And so the whole time I was working there, I was like, dude, if I could just do murals like this that I want to do, Mm-hmm. I'd be so happy. Like I just, even <laughs> if I could just do one, yeah. if I could just do one mural like that, I'll move on with my life. I'll, I'll still work in design. I just want to do one because it's festering in my mind and I just have to do one of them and just see that I can do it. It was just like a personal task of like, it's just, mm. let's just see if we can make this happen. So when I got let go of my design job, I was like, well, I've been telling everybody around me that There's you know, your well, if I wasn't in my you know, graphic design <laughs> job, you know, I'd love to do this. And so all of a sudden I'm like staring at, staring down the barrel of the gun like, well, time is now. Let's make this happen. So yeah, nice. emails went out, um, mock-ups went out. A lot of the stuff, that was probably the hardest thing towards getting any murals at all was actually getting people to like agree to pay for some of the things that I'd done because I hadn't done any of them. You know, I have all these ideas of, oh, it'd be cool to do this mural. But it's like, all right, well, what murals have you done, dude? And it's like, uh, nothing. Yeah. I work for a graphic design company. I've but painted under New York Street or whatever Yeah, they're going to be like, sick, dude, bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so using mock-ups was huge and, and just trying to show somebody like, hey, this is what could be. Mm. And that's one of the really special lessons. And a lot of skateboarders have the same experience, too, where – when you're interfacing with the city and same with urban explorer people and you're inter- interfacing with like standard reality in a way that like you go into some sort of niche experience, whether it's exploring, skateboarding, painting graffiti, um, and you go down kind of that subculture rabbit hole. And what you end up finding is you can't look at the city the same way ever again. Yeah. It's like once I started painting graffiti, all of a sudden my hometown looks different. Oh, that wall. Oh, that, that bridge up there, like mm. that would be so sick. Or, mm. oh, this bridge actually is really high off the railroad tracks. I bet there's good walls underneath this bridge. You know, mm. then you explore the bridge. Oh, there's great walls down here. Or skateboarders, you know, they'll just drive past a library. And it's not just a library to them. It's like, oh, that's a library. Cool. But that rail that's by that stairwell is butter. I'd love to skate that rail. Or yeah. like <laughs> urban explorers are like, oh, well, there's this new apartment mm. complex over here being built. They have a massive crane. Let's climb that. Like it's, yeah. it's your your way to interact with the world at a different mm-hmm. speed and a different perception than others. That I think is mm-hmm. super duper cool. So is that is that what you did with um, with the mural in Columbus? Did you you saw like they're looking for art to go up and you put in a bid? You show your your idea and they they loved it or uh, or was that a different process? Good question. So there's uh, Daniel and Lulu that are co-partners of law office, LAA office, they're like an architecture. Um, I don't know if they're an architecture firm. Maybe that's what you would call them, but they're like a public art and architecture ambassador here in Columbus. Um, and so they moved here from New York city and they've been working on all kinds of cool public art opportunities and, and things and like, I think Salem is a town that's kind of near here. Does that sound familiar? North Salem? It does sound familiar. Mm. They did, they <laughs> I know it some, exists. They did some cool mural project <laughs> there. And like, I think um, 
<laughs> they basically were like starting to do these really cool public art projects with different community members here in the city. And since they have an architectural background, their murals already that they've painted and, and worked with teams to do, they're kind of in a weird, similar vein to the stuff I do, mm -hmm. but we never knew each other. Ah. And so like uh, law office was discussing with Columbus, hey, we have the sixth street wall that we'd love a mural on, yada, yada, yada. Mm. They'd done some geometric abstract stuff before. And I think they had just come across my work via Instagram or, or maybe word of mouth. And then it really just became like, hey, we kind of do sort of similar stuff. And we're already, we have this project that's kind of going on doing this ground mural. But we think it'd be really cool to get you involved to do like the wall mural that's next to it. And so the ground and the wall mural will kind of like seamlessly ah, work together. Okay. And so that's really how the, the project came about. It was basically them saying, we're busy. Yeah, we're busy. We like what you're doing. Um, we'd love to join efforts and try to show Columbus, which is such an architecturally special place. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, people road trip here just to look at buildings. Oh, yeah. That's sick. And so, like, me being somebody who tries to paint murals and artwork inspired by architecture, I was like, man, what an honor to even be able to, like, try to speak an architectural language here on a, on a mural. You know, back in my city, there, there's a lot of cool arch architecture too, but I don't think architecture is the identity of the city. Yeah. You know, it's more of another cults and like, <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Like, yeah, but yeah, losing is really neat. <laughs> right. yeah. They're doing great this year. They're, they're, they might make it to they're the trying. playoffs. Who they're knows? trying their damnedest. But yeah, it was, it was an honor to do that mural here for, for, Columbus. And it was also the, a really cool thing that the, the community was like down with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like me painting my style up in my city, like people are like, so what's this going to be? That's the question I was just like. <laughs> like when it's done? Yeah. And they're like, so what? how much longer you got on this? Yeah, like, like, it's, done. it's done. It's <laughs> done. Yeah. It's like, well, I'm two days away. I'm pretty close. And they're like, really? You know, stuff oh. like that. What's the subject? It's yeah, a bunch of shapes. So, are you painting like a person on here? Like, where's the flowers? Yeah, or where's the nature element? Uh -huh. Where's yeah, the wings dude. for the Instagram girl to stand in front oh of? Oh my god, dude! <laughs> <laughs> on public record, I've turned those down. So, there's okay, there's you, my integrity. If you could do it with some geometric shapes, it'd still turn out pretty sick. I wouldn't do it. You would? Just two, two triangles? No, nope. <laughs> I would not. Eighteen thousand dollars. I will paint two large triangles. <laughs> Or the angel wings. They would have to be abstracted to the point where, like, they wouldn't have to read as, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You'd have to be told those are butterfly wings. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's cool, man. I just, I couldn't push myself. <laughs> On the record. I, I, people I respect up and, that. And ask I respect that. That's there cool. are jobs, I think, every artist, us included, that as much money as somebody offers, it's like, I'm good, man. That's not what we do. We'll stay in our lane. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. for you... Butterfly wings are out. Yeah. I mean, depending <laughs> upon the amount, we might have to <laughs> <laughs> uh, produce it. Maybe oh it depends God. on how my month is going. Yeah. I know, right? But, uh, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. that snow's really piling up in here. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Just depends how high the snow goes. Uh, yeah. And maybe that's to my detriment. I, I mean, dude, if I painted butterfly wings, I could probably make a killing. But at the same time, nah, the way I look yeah. at it, too, is like the first person to do the butterfly wings, like, sick. That's cool that you came up with yep. it. It's a cool concept. It's just been beaten down to yeah. the point where like, oh yeah, it's it's so common, mm. um, which is cool. It's it's a testament to its success. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to paint stuff that's not like hip right now. Yeah, I'm trying to paint stuff that like five years from now, because like some of the murals that I've been inspired by, 
like, dude, there's this mural in Indy that's off, I believe, Delaware Street. It's near where the bus station is downtown. Mm-hmm. And, dude, it's this mural from 1973 painted by this guy, <laughs> Roland Hobart. I guess the city at the time, like, people were leaving downtown Indy. They're, like, leaving to the suburbs. Not a lot of people work downtown, but they're like, yeah, we don't want to live down here. It's kind of sketchy and sad and gray. And so the city put together a mural project of, like, yo, let's put some money into this and try to get some big public art funded. And so this guy and a few other people, I think one of them was an architect, they painted, I can't remember how many murals they did, maybe four or five or something. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, like, huge walls right downtown Indy. And this Roland Hobart dude, I think he was from Europe originally and somehow ended up in Indianapolis, like everyone who's in Indianapolis for like, <laughs> how did we get here and why are we here still? <laughs> but uh, he had some like European design and Swiss design influence. And so when he was putting together some some mural concept designs, he was also designing it in a way that like assistants could help him paint the mural. And so on crazy 1970s scaffolding and lifts or whatever the heck they were using. Right. Him and a bunch of high schoolers painted this full on banger right downtown Indy. That is so dope. And like, if you look up old pictures, like you just type in Roland Hobart, Indianapolis mural. There's like old photos of it back when the colors were still vibrant. Yeah. I mean, granted it's been 40 plus years Yeah. and the colors are really beaten. I mean, it's, it's really become like, almost pastel in color but um huh. just seeing that you put those in the chat david yeah is it a like a lot of half circles yeah it's like half circles and triangles with some yeah. oranges and david like, isn't impressed what? he's like is <laughs> it a bunch of half circles is it what is no, this? No, no. Is it this i want to make sure i got the right one is this one finished <laughs> yeah is that finished no, I'm, like, yeah, I'm sure somebody asked. I'm just messing with you, man. <laughs> but yeah, it's just crazy that like that could be painted in our city. Just a massive abstract thing. I love abstract art, man. And, uh, I do too. That's why we work here. Even just driving past All that thing. All abstract. Driving past that thing even to this day. like It's crazy that some dude in the 70s painted that. Man, that's so funny mm-hmm. that I don't even know if I've... That's, I don't even know if I've seen it. That's really tight. Do you have the original on there? Dude, that is some 70s colors, though. Oh, 100%. <laughs> oh, there's a Facebook. Yeah, there it is. That's uh, tight. There's a Facebook movement to restore the mm-hmm. urban wall. Hey. Yep. Yeah, I've been in talks with some of those people, too. And th- dude, that's something that the city, how like. How tight would that be? Dude, it'd be sick. <laughs> That'd be amazing. And if they're looking for a guy to help do it. <laughs> I painted some pretty big triangles, so I think I can help out. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, if, it, like, as an artist, it's like one thing to, like, pay homage and you're like oh this is like this is where the style came from and this is why i do it this way and i really look up to this artist and then like hey we need you to restore the artist that you really like and it's like mm. that would be that'd be amazing yeah it'd be mm. a real honor for sure <laughs> and i think he's still alive he's like 98 or something oh nice Dude, and, yeah go up with him be the high schooler yeah that'd be tight uh shout out richard from columbus um he's on the columbus Exhibit Columbus staff, I yeah, think. Yeah, Richard McCoy. Yeah, Richard McCoy. He's he's the dude. He's he's super in the know of like classic art in the city and architecture. So okay. I think he's that. he's one of the guys helping lead that uh, that fund that project. Yeah, I believe Richard he used to didn't he he worked at like I think the museum or something like that. He I'm was sure. he was like an art director, so like, like a curator he, or something. Yeah, he was he was whatever role he was in had to do with art and being high up and f- like figuring out like what looked good and whether that was historical or or something like that. Mm. And that's another one we would love that 
have a chat with yeah again. dude uh, i'd love to pick guy. that dude's brain too yeah his instagram <laughs> he has like old classic photos of just like wild churches and like architectural buildings mm-hmm. like even your guys's church the north christian church out here i think is what it's called the mm-hmm. one that looks like just some freaking alien ufo oh yeah, steeple. yeah, yeah. The, Bro, like, that thing is thumbtack type thing yeah yeah crazy mm-hmm. like, my grandpa actually i think he helped build that he was in construction wow. like he wasn't the artist by any means but he he was doing construction he worked on a lot of the buildings in columbus that are like wild like the the pay the people that come and drive from all over the world yeah. they fly from all over the world to come look at it. it's like yeah i worked on that and then we renovated it and i took out half the lights and i, and I put them in my house because they didn't need them and it's like that's, that's pretty tight fun. yeah <laughs> It's been fun to use the architecture here as well in some of our projects. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm we've sure. tried to kind of play to that a little bit. Um, one of the projects we did uh, towards the end of the last year, we worked with um, Exhibit and Dance Kaleidoscope um, mm-hmm. and did their whole, they did like a three-piece dance routine. Um, it was super cool. Uh, this was the second year we've done it. And this year we incorporated like two extra angles and one of those was the drone. And we used a lot of kind of like the architecture to pan and move and use mm. for like wipe cuts and things to play mm. to it. And it was a whole other view as well of some of the things that are here, the art installations to be able to see them from that direct top down view. Definitely. That was just fun. Cause it's like, I was the operator that day. So I'm just like sitting there, I'm like, oh wow, I haven't seen this. What is this? Oh, cool. Yeah. And they're like, we'll use this to our benefit. So there's like so many of those here. So it's, it is a cool spot for sure. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it was definitely painting that mural was the first time I've been in Columbus for like a longer duration of time. Yeah, it was neat to kind of interface with the city and, and see it in a different way. That you know, usually yeah. I just kind of drive through it or you know. <laughs> I get it. I was the same way. Yeah. yeah. This is this is uh, brought into my horizons by being here it. with these guys. So it's. Mm. It's what it's I all knew about. nothing about the best, best podcasts in the best town. <laughs> Heck yeah! Hey. Heck yeah! yeah. Uh, you guys want to do some would you rathers before we yeah, wrap up? Wrap it on up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, first one. Uh, let's see. Would you rather be lost in the woods? Um, well, what does that mean? Um, lost in the woods of a mountain for a year or stranded on a tropical island for a year? Woods, for sure. Mountains yeah. are tight. <laughs> yeah. I'll live in the mountains. I'm not. I mean, beaches are yeah. cool, but I don't know. I've been to like Florida too many times. <laughs> having all the midwesterners right yeah i'm kind of flora and beach out yeah you know um, worried about the things that could be in the mountains like the animals and stuff eh? i mean that's better than florida man <laughs> florida man i mean yeah bears are not cool well i guess it depends on where the mountains are at yeah. Well, mm-hmm. true. Most mountains. Pick, most, your, pick your mountains, man. What most mountains. mountains. You want? <laughs> pick your mountains. Probably <laughs> the Grand Tetons. Those are pretty Oh, dope. yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I took wow. it. Dude, Dave's all about David it, likes man. mountains. Or, uh, Dude, is that your yeah, pick? Or that's Banff. my pick. Yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. <laughs> or go to British Columbia, Banff National Park oh, up yeah, there in no, Canada. No, no. That I almost I went there this past summer. I was there this summer. Yep. Yep. There in the Tetons. But it was... The wildfires were like really bad, so I couldn't even yeah. really see the Teton. Uh, mountains, which mm. is kind of a bummer. Yeah. But mountains. And mountains. David, you said you're yep. mountains? Yeah, you uh, I do mountains. I mean, I've been to the Tetons. They're yeah. beautiful. I've been yeah. to Yosemite, uh, Yellowstone. That's uh, my favorite uh, biome. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> We've been playing Minecraft. Yeah. 
Jersey. Yeah, by Minecraft invented the word biomes. Biomes <laughs> never existed before. No, nope. nope, it's a new word. Uh, yeah, so you guys can be neighbors up in the mountains. I'm going to go enjoy summer warm because I, I don't know of any cold. I, all the mountains I know of are cold. I don't know any I warm mountains. Cold. Oh, that's true. I didn't think about mm. that. I, I just, love winter. I I'm paint freezing. in my studio in the cold. So I'm down. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, like, I'm good. Go. Dude, I'm freezing right now. So I'm, I'm happy to be on a island somewhere as long as I can eat something. I'm good. There you go. Yeah, I, I... I'll be eating elk. Oh, dude. <laughs> ship it to me. I'm staying on the island. Sick. Yep. You ship me fish, I'll ship you elk. Yeah, there you go. Right back. I'm probably going to split the room. I'm, I'm probably on the island as well. Yeah. I mean, after watching Castaway and stuff, he lasted a long time. Yeah, he did. I don't know if I'd last as long. Dude. <laughs> the, I think if I liked <laughs> seafood better, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I, I dig seafood, guys. so I'd be like, let's, let's roll. Yeah. If I had to eat a raw fish, I could do it. I've done it. I mean, sushi is like, well, it's a problem. Right? I know. <laughs> say fresh. Say fresh. Um, okay. Uh, next one. Uh, would you rather, I thought this would be interesting. Uh, would you rather have infrared vision that you can turn on and off at will or 20 times normal telescopic vision? Wait, permanently? Is that permanently? On? Yes. Oh, I th- uh, one oh, you I can turn on and off. Yeah. So you can turn your infrared yeah. on and off. That's such a at good will. question. Or twenty time normal telescopic. Dude, you like lightly turn your head and just like, <laughs> 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 just see the pores on somebody because twenty times is. Wait, is it fixed or can or can you just zoom in at whim? I feel like you should be able to zoom yeah, in. Is the it, other one can turn yeah, it on and off. Or only That's fine. Same times. with the ultraviolet. Yeah. Each one or on and off. Yeah. You just get or to infrared. Z- infrared. 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 Yeah. So each one you can turn off and activate whenever you need. Yeah. I think infrared would be tight. Because first of all, I've got some color knowledge. Yeah. Some some color perception issues that I need to make up for. (laughs) So if I can see it in another visual uh, wavelength, I'm down. Yeah. (laughs) That'd be tight. Yeah. Yeah. Have you heard of, um, I think they're, they're not cuttlefish, but they're. Uh, Shrimp crab, I think is what they're called. Oh. Dude, they're like these wild uh, little crab fish guys that are like sort of shrimp-like. Okay. And they have the widest breadth of the visual spectrum of perception of any other animal on Earth. Oh, the mantis, so they can, mantis shrimp. Mantis yeah. shrimp, yeah, yeah. That's they what got, it is. Ah. Yeah, it's like well, 10 million more colors. Just kidding. It's like 5,000. Still, <laughs> could you imagine? That's crazy, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I just, how, what's the coverage on the sRGB? No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're going to have to start making some new mantis shrimp monitors. <laughs> yeah. Should be a tight. David? Um, so the 20 times, it's not like I can go in between. It's only 20 times. Oh, it's or only zero normal. or 20. Oh, really? <laughs> on well, and off. Definitely. <laughs> on and off. Yep, on and off. Yeah. I, I feel like. So basically a Halo 3 sniper rifle? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you, you named uh, one of your art pieces Halo, and I was like, mm-hmm. hmm. Halo's a huge influence yeah. of mine. That's awesome. <laughs> the Halo Mountains is where he's going to live. Oh, <laughs> Dude, I mean, it, you know, it's all coming together. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I played Halo. Uh, Halo 3 a mm-hmm. bunch. Oh, yeah. Halo 3 was my guess. Have you the played best. the new one? Mm-hmm. Infinite? Is yeah. Good? Heck yes. Yeah. Super jank. I, I love yeah. it. It's kind of brilliant. Yeah, you want to install the Jank. Yeah. yeah those Halo games were like a huge influence on me architecturally too. Oh, like, yeah. Like the Valhalla map. I don't know if you remember yes. that one. But like yeah. on structures. each side of the map, there's some huge like monolithic, yeah. just crazy Or the Forerunner like yeah. thing. Yeah. Forerunner architecture is He's fire. living in a like two, a two th- early 2000s polygon world. They're like, yeah, we're limited <laughs> by the amount of polygons we can design. And you're like, 
I like it. That's <laughs> good. That's my style. <laughs> Master Chief 20 polygons at building four. Yeah, there you go. Hey, yeah. it still almost gets me every time you did the mock-up on the pyramids mm. on the north side. And I'm always oh, like... That's a dream, dude. I was like, oh, man, did he do that? And I'm like, wait a second. I wish. It says man. mock-up. I would love to do that. Those It'd be a very expensive, mm. oh, scary, yeah. and stressful job. But if it could be pulled off, it'd be pretty wild, dude. That'd be tight. Have you seen... Uh, I don't know how I don't know where we're at on time, but I'll just briefly tell you, in Toledo, Ohio, um, the largest mural in the whole U.S. is like nearing completion. They painted these massive grain silos that are alongside the river in Toledo. Okay. Huh. Granted, it's like sunflowers and like portraits, uh, which isn't really my thing. But dude, what? <laughs> no way. <laughs> it's not really what I do, but I still have. Tremendous respect for the fact that they're doing it huh. so big. They're, they're yeah. painting uh, indigenous, like native folks to the area too, which oh, is yeah. really cool. Okay, and I thought that was a nice touch because here in the states we don't really have. I mean, dude, we live in Indiana, and like, mm-hmm. there's really no connection with the native population. Yeah, that, that, that used to be from? here. Yeah, Indiana. <laughs> oh my god, I don't know. Don't we yeah, have? A, meanwhile, don't we have like, a baseball team or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's super. It's something I think we could definitely in. Uh, definitely get more in touch with yeah and richard mccoy actually as we were talking about him earlier he's very in touch with some of the like different monuments and architectural pieces that actually pay homage to some of the previous native populations here in, in indiana so that stuff's super interesting if that's you nice. if you do pick his brain ask about some of that i'm sure he would yeah. tell you some stuff that you're like i had no idea mm. <laughs> that'd be tight yeah D- um infrared 20 times come on i'll, I'll do 20 <laughs> times Okay. As long as I can focus, like I can do twenty times, and it's like perfectly oh yeah, it's twenty times, but it's never in focus. <laughs> <is> so aggravating. <laughs> <laughs> Infrared, but it only shows the cold spots. <laughs> oh no. Uh, I I don't know, man. Like this one, just I'm not I'm not drawn to it. So let's do twenty times. I don't know what I'd mm-hmm. even use infrared for. I do infrared. Because you could that would help you see at night. I mean, yeah. you could be the predator. That'd be so. tight. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Yeah, I just like turn it on. <laughs> so you can see so the, the alien shots. You have an advantage. <laughs> yep. Yeah, the warm spots in their house. Like, I'm really cold. I'm going to go over there. Like, that's all I would use. <laughs> Dude, speaking of yeah. infrared, uh, have you heard of Earl Sweatshirt? He's like a yeah. rapper. Yeah. Dude, there's this Earl Sweatshirt Grief is a music video that he did. Okay. Where the whole video is shot in infrared, but then they like black and whited the filter. Oh. So, okay. Dude, it's crazy. It's such a cool, like, artistic music video. Tristan loves music videos. We have a whole yeah. thing yeah, on our that internal one. chat it's, that's it's just trippy. like music video links yeah, that we, we think are cool. to make him his own chat. Yeah. <laughs> to just, just talk about to music videos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look that one up. It's what's, pretty cool. What's the name of it? Uh, Earl Sweatshirt Grief. Grief. Okay. And like, there's a there's a part where he like takes a drag off his cigarette, and like you can see like the warmth from just like the Ooh. cigarette kind of like fade over his. Oh, mouth that's tight. It's weird. And then, like, there's a clip of, like, a snake entering water, but it's in infrared. So, like, I don't know. It just looks – it's pretty interesting visually, I that's guess. Like, that's a cool – That's, like, if you use an infrared camera and stuff with the – if when you go to use uh, face unlock on an iPhone, you can see because it actually projects a dot matrix onto your face, and that's how it measures mm. the depth with a mm. camera. And you can actually – if you look for pictures of it, you can see this, like – Crazy. Like, all of these dots on your face that's mapping your face. Yep. It's tight. That's super cool. There's this artist I follow on Instagram who um, he's making artificial intelligence, like generative artwork. And so like one of the things that he's really playing around with is um, like 
different Google and um, AI automation things that like, man, I'm totally butchering explaining this. <laughs> it's way above my pay grade. But essentially like your phones and stuff now, when you send it a picture of, let's say a mountain, it'll tell you mm. mountain. Yeah. Or like it's, yeah. it's trying to like de depict what you're showing it and, and, you know, assign a certain item list to what it, what you're showing it. Yep. And so he created this generative process that like takes, he, he basically hooks the neural network up to, to compose and, and feast on a bunch of images of different data. And then he gives it like two different brushes. Do you know what Procreate is? It's like a drawing app mm -hmm. on, yes, on yes. the iPad. Yeah. I think he uses Procreate, I could be wrong, but I think he gives it a certain brush and a certain color parameter. And then the AI unit then draws like cat, for instance, but it does it only using one brush and like one other color. So it draws like a real rough sketch of what the, the neural network thinks a cat is. Ah. But what's really weird is he can show that image of a couple squiggles in one color to other neural networks and they all identify that as a cat. <laughs> That's a cat. <laughs> oh. It's weird, dude. So like he's trying to get it to like draw in its perception kind of. Oh. It's really wild, but some of them are really cool. There's like That's a tight. There's a killer whale that he did that's like it's black and white with just like I don't know. It's just super cool. Yeah. I I can't for the life of me remember the dude's name, but if you look up I AI, love AI, AI artwork, check some of it out. Yeah. yeah. We've talked a lot about how AI can play in, so mm -hmm. Yeah. I totally think we're gonna have to do another episode with you. Yeah, <laughs> like I, eighty more I things agree. I want to talk to you I'm about. Down. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I was thinking about halfway through. I know it's like shoot. Um, I think we'll just go ahead and wrap it up. Wrap it up. So. What uh? Right. Yeah, that's true. How can people find you, Nick? Good question. On the dark void of the internet. Yeah, right. <laughs> you have just to look have up the dark net. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not on the dark web. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Don't place. go to that. Too yeah. dark. If you just type in Nick Abstract, uh, most stuff should come up. Nick Abstract on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, I guess TikTok. I don't <laughs> do anything on there. That's the your website. That's the butterfly is, wings of social media. Yeah, yeah TikTok. TikTok. Hey, yeah. <laughs> It's, We're going to just knows, use man. that it's as It's going to rocket ship us term. into the... <laughs> yeah. TikTok's going to be the thing that tips us into the yeah. fame. So, uh, yeah, uh, he's taking, taking commissions, and uh, come, come check him out. Go check out his website. He's got a lot of really cool pieces. Uh, some he's got stuff for sale. He's got some stuff for sale. It's tight. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, he did a whole 10-piece painting series inspired by the planets in our solar system. So there's a Earth canvas, a Saturn canvas that's called Halo. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I spent a lot of time doing those. I painted in like 20 degrees in my studio and painstakingly, yeah. you know, poured my heart and soul into those. So they, they, I think they're really cool and anybody who picks them up would be stoked to have them. Yeah. So they're beautiful. They're Seriously, shippable yeah. worldwide too for like a really good, really good cost. There you go. I, I have them in like a, a canvas roll that essentially I can ship them anywhere in the world for like yeah. really, really cheap. Yeah. So. Don't claim to be an art enthusiast until you own a piece of abstract. Yeah, what's up? Come yeah. get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, not, you're not genuine. You need the abstract in your life. Well, I appreciate you guys for having me on. Super oh, fun. Absolutely. Get to know you guys more. Yeah, dude. It was Thanks crazy. We just ran into one another at the, uh, yeah, the art walk there. Yeah. It's like, I know that guy. I know him. He was like, I want to go home and see my wife. I was like, come on, man. Come down. Come check out I this know. art wall. It's pretty sick. There's going to be a lot of people there. And, and that's he, when he found that who it was? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I had seen the, it earlier. You saw the name on there but like we didn't know you would be there mm, true. Um, so it, it worked out really well and i'm glad i'm glad we've been able to make that connection um mm. 
Yeah, uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks for checking out this. I know it's a long one, but I swear this was probably one of the best ones we've had. Uh, it's a great guest, and uh, it was a great time. Cole, where uh, where can people find the things? Triflix Cast on YouTube. Uh, Triflix Cast on Instagram. Also, if you want to see our client work and some of our other fun stuff, at Triflix LLC on Instagram. And if you want to find us um, on our website, it is uh, triflix.com. If you want to hire us, because we do work. Yeah. <laughs> We're all in this to make a little bit of money so yeah and if uh if you think you know somebody pretty cool that uh maybe 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 you are send them our way we'd love to have them on <laughs> maybe you are cool <laughs> <laughs> thanks nick thanks you appreciate it brother all right guys you know what time it is bye it's time to have a good day bye-bye yeah. send it <laughs>